0: What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success in and out Podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with and others who've gone through their own nightmare success experience, adapting and surviving. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something they will help you knock down some of the prisons you've built up in your own mind. Folks, today, i got to tell you, I've been really looking forward to this, uh, this interview. Uh, my guest today is Michael. I'm going to th- use his, uh, his nickname in here, too. Michael Hollywood Henderson. He's been called that since he was a kid. Um, Michael and I met uh, a few months ago and kind of like a Hollywood story we met in a lobby of a hotel in St. Louis and uh, uh, Shane Scott put us together and said you know you guys you know you kind of talk the same language you might like each other and we hit it off and uh, we've been pretty much talking to each other every week since and I I said man I said your story I, I read his book and his story is just incredible but To give you a little background on Michael, Michael's from St. Louis, grew up in St. Louis, uh, but he's worn so many hats uh, as where he sits today. Uh, He's a a former police officer, a detective, a CEO of Worldwide Private Security Protection Agency, Phoenix Risk Assessment, uh, global security expert, serial entrepreneur, Media commentator, public speaker, TV film producer, and sits on uh, multiple charity boards as a member. Uh, as the CEO of Sweet Media Productions and Management, Michael has produced feature films and shorts. Uh, examples is Eyes Don't Lie, First Pick, Rock, The Movie, and Face Off. Additionally, he's a best-selling, off, uh, he's a best-selling author. Uh, how do you say that, Michael
1: interminable
0: yeah there it is there it is and it's stories and steps to overcoming life's obstacles after a repetitive cycle of pain and loss how to maintain your win wow wow double wow michael thank you on top of all that we're going to unwrap a lot of this I just read you off some really cool stuff. This guy has been homeless two or three times on top of this, and I want to get into that because that's part of the story of his journey of never giving up. He had this drive in him, and he just never, you know, he had this, I got to get it, got to get it. Um, so, Michael, welcome.
1: Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. So <laughs>
0: cool having you here. We were just talking before we got on here. You know, Michael's story growing up is one of those where you're, you're reading the book and you're like, uh-oh, oh boy. And then you think, well, at least that's a, uh-oh, oh boy. And then there's an, uh-oh, oh boy. Michael, can you walk us back into, you know, your life uh, growing up as a kid? Because there's so many layers of it.
1: Yeah. Um, wow, you're right. Uh, you know, and to actually make that make sense, uh, if you can imagine going to 13 different schools before high school, living in one town or one city, St. Louis, uh, kind of opens up Pandora's box, if you will. But what's really special is, uh, my, uh, grandmother just passed away. and, And she, of course, was the matriarch of the family. Uh, and looking back at her life, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, working for the government, uh, the army, and then having um, owning, you know, the series of townhomes that you know her fam- her entire family lived in, uh, and then the bar across the street, you know, as a as basically a zero to you know three year old um, starts to really start to unravel a lot of questions there, and, and growing up with that and. And I remember vividly (laughs) around five running away. And uh, for those that are familiar with St. Louis around Shoto and Jefferson Mm -hmm. uh, was the the area we lived in. And there was a flower shop behind there. uh, And I think it's still there. or pieces of it. And uh, the owner literally saw me running down the alley, got me in the car and uh, took me back to my grandmother's house. Uh, I was running away and he stopped me from that and, And so I I look back and go, wow, you know, as my mother would say, uh, you've always wanted to be somewhere else, be bigger, do better, you know, and uh, looking back at that childhood that started that all.
0: I always say, I think uh, one of the quotes you have in your book, I thought was really interesting. It says, I've always run towards things that scare me. I've come to realize that for me, that seems to continue to be where all the great things are in my life. That's, that's deep. Because that's kind of the opposite of the way that we're taught um, to believe that that's the way to go. Everybody follows in a herd. You have a herd mentality. Everybody's doing this. It's what everybody is. I wear the same shirt he wears, and everybody's got the same. Everything's the same as. Whereas you're saying you had some kind of something in you that you ran towards things that scare you. And and it, it's interesting because you've, you've lived your life in that, realm in that arena, which is uh, one that a lot of people don't. And we'll get into that because I think that whole part of your life where you get into the security piece of this and you're dropping down and going into places that nobody's gone in the middle of the night and snakes and guns and stuff, <laughs> scary, oh it's scary right. to me. Oh my. So when, when you're growing up, what's, what's the dynamic of your family? I know your, your grandparents played a big role um, and your, your grandmother, your mom, your dad, how, and your and your siblings, how, how did that all piece together?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, to connect the dots there, uh, my mother uh, was a single mother. My father left when I was young, younger, when I eventually reconnected with him multiple years later. Uh, and we had a sit down, uh, you know, that conversation wasn't even say I was just, he was just scared. He was, uh, frightened. Yeah. And so he, Uh, but so really my mother, it's just really my mother and I. And so when she was putting herself through school, uh, and we eventually left, uh, you know, the compound, if you will, of the family dynamic and went on our own for her to get her bachelor's degree, uh, or her master's, I can't recall, in Columbia university, uh, was kind of the beginning of, you know, she and I truly, you know, being on our own and, you know, learning how to coexist. You know, me being a young kid, you know, six, seven, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, and then that kind of started that off. And then uh, the man that she was dating at the time, who technically became my stepfather, had already had two boys. And so, you know, we had just been connected as brothers uh, literally since uh, this big, you know, tiny, tiny, young, young boys. Uh, and so growing up through life, they've just become my brothers and, um, you know, it's just been a phenomenal journey. So when you,
0: you talk about in your book, the, you, you talk about, you know, your school experience where you had the new city school and you didn't, couldn't figure out how your mom afforded that. And that was, it was uh, something I think maybe you gained a little bit of confidence in yourself in that time period, but there was also like crazy things that were happening at home, uh, fights and and police that had to show up and break it up and those type of things. And then you also talk about the times when you're, you know, the kid, you know, they've got their family picking them up and you're waiting and they don't pick you up and you go, you know, down to the bus station. You get – what's all going through your mind at that time as a kid?
1: You know, even when I look back at that, it just – it's almost like, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this. It's just the way life, life is, right? Yeah. Um, because and, you and didn't I know
0: think, any different. Because you did see other, like when you went to spend the night, you were talking about safety yeah. and comfort and those things, yeah, and then you all would all go nice
1: back. Things. Yeah, yeah, all these nice things and and a different love that you see from you know, especially in that that era was more you know white families. There were a few black, but. Um, I think that when you're in survival mode and then being a child, you just kind of know that as, well, this is my existence, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't really, and I don't think I had the mental fortitude at the time, you know, to truly understand all the dynamics of what was going on. It was just a matter of, okay, well, let's see, there were drugs, there was a fight, there was blood, Mm -hmm. the cops came back then, they didn't really arrest, you know, the men or something for that. And so It was like, okay, I was just thrown into a taxi cab and I was off to either my aunt's house or to my, you know, my grandmother's house, right? Um, You know, and and that type of scenario um, was frequent. And then I was, yes, I was fortunate to go to, you know, New City School, which is a private school, um, and expect to, you know, perform and, and, you know, live like everybody else there. And I feel like when I look back at it, I didn't think anything different of it other than, you know, this is what I have to do. I, I'm the one I'm the kid that in the whole school has to walk up to the bus stop.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? I'm the poor one. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: But that's a lot to deal with as a kid because you're you're trying to figure things out as a kid and you're 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 seeing things and experiencing things and you get to a certain point where I think we've all done it, where we've grabbed our stuff and said, "I'm leaving." You <laughs> ten or twelve years old. You did that, but you did it, and and that was what happened. I mean, you you went and left the home. What what? Yeah. What, what's Michael thinking there?
1: Yeah, I remember it vividly, actually, which is hilarious to me. Uh, you know, I was you know I was uh, living with my mother. We had our our place. And you know there were just so many things that I wanted, um, you know, probably selfishly uh, to be fair. You know, I wanted my own. I wanted a car. You know, I was just about to turn sixteen at mm-hmm. some point. Uh, you know, and you know I was working at the swimming pool, the auditorium, uh, the natatorium, what it was called, U City High School, and uh, you know just wherever I could do things, and and so. Literally, uh, I remember uh, my mother making dinner, and I just had enough. And I remember going into my room, getting a backpack. I might have put some things in it. I don't even remember what was in it. And while she wasn't looking, I just walked out the door. And it was wintertime, and I went up to the natatorium because I knew I had friends that were lifeguards that were older. They had apartments and houses or whatever, and, and uh, you know hung out for a little while and then told them, hey, I I don't have anywhere to go. I just ran away, you know, and uh, my safe haven during the day was really just, uh, you know, being able to go to school. Yeah. So, you know, I I stayed in school and graduated and what have you, but there were definitely some house-hopping nights from friends to friends, sleeping in the park, you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah.
0: Was any of that like scary to you or did you feel like you were making your way and this is what Michael, this is how I'm going to do it and I'm going to be me and I'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. I, I would say a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely fear there, yeah. you know? And, uh, when I look at my life today and I look at, uh, you know, what the word outcast mean, mm-hmm. it all starts to truly make sense as to me being an outcast. Uh, from society, really, in a lot of ways. And I never really thought about that until, you know, we talked about maybe, you know, doing this interview and, mm-hmm. and connecting uh, that those steps of fear and yet bravery mixed at the same time of, no, I got to stay the course here because I'm not happy with the conditions at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fast forwarding into adulthood, you realize that wow, those are the training grounds to be able to one either do law enforcement, do security, be an entrepreneur, where the world is against you, especially in the '90s.
0: Did your mom and you obviously you've you've created a, a relationship because she wrote the foreword to your book? But um, during that time period, I, I, I feel like there were you guys started maybe it was strained, but became. To more connect.
1: No, it took it took a multitude of years. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, the communication was there. Yeah. Right during high school. Um, you know, knowing that I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't coming back home. Yeah. Uh, but you know, her being able to at least you know meet some of my friends' families that I would periodically stay with and what have you, just to make that connection. Um, but no, it stayed strange for many years, uh, but yet still close in communication. So, you know, as I would, uh, you know, get older and I would start taking my, my hand at this entrepreneurial run, uh, you know, she would be. Around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we wouldn't share the same views on, you know, how that looks at the beginning of an entrepreneurial uh, opportunity and how it looks at the end. We probably disagree on that quite still today.
0: <laughs> well, that's good though. It's healthy that. Uh, so you graduate from U City. Um, mm-hmm. What's What's your next step? Going into adulthood.
1: Yeah. So you know, I. I I don't have a lot of regrets. I don't really have any regrets uh, throughout my life, I would say, but, um, I think I had one class in my senior year. And, uh, if only someone had told me that I should have been, you know, taking college courses, uh, you know, things of that nature, I I just wound up blowing off the rest of the day, you know, thinking this is cool. You know, and, uh, I had made my mother promise before I left home that I would volunteer at the police department in this uh, organization called Boy Scouts of America Explorers. And I think there's still a national program with that, with law enforcement agencies. And I would do that and you would compete with, you know, other, you know, uh, explorers around the country and of course around the city. And uh, that was also kind of a, semi state Haven, if you will, I've made friends there. I would stay at some of their houses, uh, and things of that nature. And, uh, when high school kind of came, it was like, well, I need to get a job. And, and then that turned into a, a lifeguard opportunity. Yeah. Uh, where I, I borrowed $25 to get uh, to the YMCA, uh, and, uh, get, get certified and, and, uh, just that whole trajectory. And, and, uh, but I had no idea what I wanted to do in life. I mean, literally I was a decent uh, athlete. Um, I had also a partial, uh, dance scholarship at Indiana university, uh, to potentially dance. I did modern jazz and dance and ballet in new city high. And so I was a dancer and, uh, you know, the funny thing I-
0: about that is, is that you, if you look at everything that's happened in your life, you've kind of come full circle back to those days when you were doing the performing and, and getting into the place. Oh, yeah. And yeah,
1: isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that something? It's like, man, I could have just beelined and <laughs> It
0: doesn't work like, like what
1: that. Does it? It happened? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work like that. And, and, and what's interesting is when I did get into this, this, uh, this Hollywood entertainment space, it was really not as complicated Because I had taken the journey I had taken in so many ways. And, you know, we could talk about that, you know, at another time. But, um, you know, it was either go to the Air Force, go to law enforcement as a a cadet. I applied for that. I was the gopher, paid gopher, washing the police Mm car, working record, you know, dispatch, whatever. Um, Maybe go dance. Uh, or something, but that was those are my real choices of adulthood, and and so I just come to the realization that whoever called me first, whether it was the Air Force recruiter or whether it was, you know, the police department at University City Police Department in St. Louis, and uh, they they call first, so that's where I went.
0: So was that? I mean, it, it had to be for you, you know, being in that community, and then and then turning. This all around here, you are going to be a police officer. You city, what what was that? What was that world like?
1: Oh my gosh! And then being in high school and and University City High School back in the eighty. Yeah, which sounds. Like
0: I, I I know. They, <laughs> we, I went to to We had to play you guys in basketball, and man, they were good.
1: Very <laughs> good. You yeah. city high. You city high, man. Yeah. The U, uh, you know. It, uh, it was interesting because I would do ride along with the police officers. And so, you know, I, it would be, you know, I'd ride along one night and then, you know, there's a domestic abuse situation or domestic call or, or some type of call at someone's home. And then the next Monday morning or something, I'm literally sitting in the math class with it, you know. So there was, you know, there was always nicknames of 21 Jump Street. Yeah, you know, yeah. people thought I was really undercover, and that I really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, well, if you knew me, I had a big head and I was super skinny, so that was, I've <laughs> the funniest looking policeman you ever seen. So, <laughs> so when you got, yeah, I had to go, that. I had to go that
0: when you got into that world and became a police officer, what? How did your family how did, how did you how did it all work?
1: Yeah, uh, it worked pretty smoothly. Uh, you know, my grandmother had said something to me that really talk about full circle, but she had said something to me when I just pretty much become a policeman that really just set the trajectory for everything and how I did it. Um, and that was, you know, she said, if you're going to be a policeman, you need to be a real policeman Mm -hmm. because, you know, we rely on you guys to do your job. And if you're not going to do your job and you're going to answer dog calls or whatever you're going to do, then don't be a policeman. But we need people out here that really want to go get these bad guys. And that triggered something in me.
0: Is she the one that said to be brave for someone when they cannot? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big statement. So you get into this world. Uh, you do well. And, and, and you – become a detective um, but somewhere in this time frame is this when it starts boiling that you want to do something bigger better wider uh, and then I, you know there's a rock bottom moment and I don't know if you want to talk about that or not Michael but you you went to that rock bottom and then from there it seems like you just decided no matter what happens to me I'm going to make this all work one way or the other.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I commend law enforcement for, for me is, you know, I grew up in it, you know, as a volunteer, then a paid gopher, then a policeman, you know, going to the Academy and, and I really, you know, applaud uh, law enforcement for really teaching me how to grow up fast
2: mm-hmm.
1: because, you know there's you know there is the blue code if you will and but there's clicks and sure. you know and and uh you know as a 20 year old 21 year old by the time i was on the street you know policemen with no father figure no real parental guidance no one really saying okay you know here's this or you know, someone that I can in, immediately go back to and say, well, this is what happened to me today. Like they tried to fire me today or, you know, I had to wear wire because I got to protect myself because they're trying to, you know, get rid of me or someone's trying to, you know, get me harmed or killed or, mm-hmm. or whatever that is. And and so fortunately there were certain, you know, officers that were there that, you know, took me under their wing and kind of helped me learn The racism and the judgments and and a multitude of things that I just was not skilled at at all, and uh, and so you know learning how to navigate internally in law enforcement, and then of course dealing with uh, you know criminal elements on the street, getting in from both ways at a twenty, you know in your twenties, and and that takes a toll. uh, Come to find out, for me.
0: Well, and what that, what you said in the book was, is there was a guy that you were really intimidated by and not happy that he was going to be the officer trainer, and he ends up being a guy that you stayed lifetime in, in touch with.
1: Yeah. Which, yeah. Is,
0: which is cool in itself. So walk, walk us through, Michael, when you decided you were going to step out into um, – In your mind, you kind of had it set on how it wasn't like a security firm. It was a global security um, for, you know, people who had money, people who were in celebrity, people who uh, needed protection. Uh, Where did that all come from? Like, where did that, what was the genesis of that idea?
1: Yeah, so in 1996, uh, Bill Clinton was president. Mm -hmm man i tell you we feel i feel young but man when i'm throwing these dates around i'm like
0: <laughs> wasn't that long ago michael you're just 25 we just casually talk about someone's 25 years ago 26 <laughs> right, years exactly. ago it's, it's nothing like that's man, when you know well, you're getting old you just casually talk about stuff that's 30 25 years ago yeah
1: blows my mind when yeah. i sit here and talk about these dates uh but i was detached to uh and had an opportunity to work with the secret service uh on that detail, um, and, uh, that was a good eye opener. I had friends that were already on that detail as well. Um, I got to meet him and there's a photo somewhere floating around with me in it, Mm -hmm. uh, with, and that really opened my eyes that I wanted to go that secret service path. And, um, and actually I've had people that work with me from the past and and before I left and after I left that are now secret service or retired. And they, you know, they had said to me, you know, this is a great industry. It's a great job. But, um, you know, with your personality, you know, you might want to look at the private sector where we retire to
2: mm. and
1: kind of get a jump on that. Because, And at that time in the 90s, I mean, they were making, what, $100,000 with overtime. They're not as evolved. I mean, they're evolved, but they really have become evolved now
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: uh, since then. And like, you know, you might fit in better that way. So why don't you look that way? And uh, what a hell of a journey it had been. But I actually really thank them. And I still thank them when I see them today, you know, for really giving me that advice, uh, you know, to kind of skip that. But that had always been my objective was to go there uh, because I felt like I had hit a wall with uh, local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree. I mean, my, my arrest records uh, and numbers were through the roof. Uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, get to the bureau. I had done that. Um, you know, I was detached to the FBI for a time period in organized crime and you know, and, and doing undercover work. And I just felt like I had reached that. And, and so when the dynamic was, okay, well I'll start a security company, and, you know, I'll start trying to put on that business hat, which I had no clue what I was doing, creating a business plan. Uh, but I, you know, I thank the SBA for turning me down because they created a fucking monster. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and because I realized at that time, uh, SBA was just all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Now it's probably a little more evolved from what I understand. And, you know, they, they've, they've helped a lot of people. Yeah, but back then. Oh, can we curse on your Oh yeah, Yeah. that's explicit. (laughs) I should have asked that. Yeah, we're there. Warning, warning. Get more listeners. Get
0: more listeners. Michael, I I get. I I got this big soundboard here, and I don't use any of the beeps. (laughs) (laughs) We're just talking. We're just talking.
1: (laughs) We're just talking. (laughs) We're just talking. You know, but I I thank them. I thank them for that because at the time I had had a, I had a fiance and she was a, a stockbroker and you know i realized that you know when she would help me with the business plan and just try to help me edge you know learn this business thing um, everything was good and groovy and gravy with SBA, but when we split up and I was on my own and I was like, man, I'm using first position on the, uh, you know, on the equipment and, you know, all these terms that, you know, who knew what they were, but I was, you know, like, hey, I'm good. Like, you know, give me this 90 G so I can go out here and, and conquer think. the world. Yeah. they were like, man, if you don't get your black ass out of this office <laughs> right yeah. now right? But then I had an article and I had held on to this article for a long time and this white woman who had been homeless for 11 years got $126,000 from the SBA.
2: Mm.
1: And I was like, okay. Got it. Got it. So that that really taught me how to, and there's nothing wrong with what I'm about to say, but uh, for me, personally, it, it, it kept me away from the MBE, which is the minority business program it kept me away from you know organizations that help minorities get a leg up mm-hmm. it really put a fire in me to go you know what i'm going to i'm going to do this right the way that others do it that have resources or have mm-hmm. that really started to put me um which is probably one of my favorite parts of my book is you know being in rooms where i'm like how the hell am I sitting here at Tony's, which is a five-star restaurant, you mm-hmm. know, back in, you know, 2000s, if you remember, yeah. you know, you have to wear a jacket and yeah. I'm watching guys literally get a fax, fax for a $36 million deal that they just did on a napkin in front of me. And I'm literally at that table and I'm sitting here and I'm learning all these things. And, and uh, so I, I applaud and thank them for that.
0: Well, so there's a lot in there, Michael, that...
1: Um, you go where you want me to go, pal. Because,
0: well, because <laughs> in, in between all that, when you're trying to make your way with this and you've got this big idea, you end up homeless again. Um, yeah. Can you walk me through, because you do a really good job of in the book, where you are in your mind, your, your drive your determination. But in the meantime, you're living under a bridge. So, I mean, this is not normal for, I mean, if, if you look at where you're at now I can, it all makes sense to me. I can see everything, you know, how you just, you were just wired this way. But at that time, when you're living under a bridge and you're going to the, the, the library to, to read books and biographies of what can I learn, what can I get, and, you, and you're frustrated because they're not giving you the gaps of, of what you need, you're, you're going and, and, and sleeping at the airport with your clothes on like you're traveling back in the days when you could get through security and you look like you're traveling. Are you thinking, what are you thinking? when all that's happening.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, realistically, most of those nights I'm just in my own zone. I literally, you know, I had two things, uh, that I really, really attest to my sanity. Uh, one, I had a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, my mother thinks she lost the drawing, uh, but and I'll tell you what that is. But I had a piece of paper and I had my uh cassette player, mm-hmm. uh, for those you know who remember, that
0: we're aging <laughs> ourselves back, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. What and I had the red hot chili pepper and uh, you know, under the bridge, which I never even made the connection to that until many many years later like five, six, seven, ten years later that I even realized that that was the song that was making me cry all the time, mm-hmm. right? And at night. And um, that piece of paper literally was I would draw in Union Station. Let me back up. So a Union Station across uh, the way, the highway Mm -hmm. exit ramp would come underneath the highway where I I lived. And so across the fence was Union Station, uh, the train station and most Union stations around America. And so in there, they had a Starbucks uh hula hula hands, uh mm. hooters, whatever, mm. right? And there was this empty space in between Hooters and Hula Hands on the second story that was empty. It used to be a restaurant or something. And so I just went and I would go up there and I would just visualize and write and draw what, you know, would be really cool if I could open up, you know, a really cool restaurant, lat jazz, you know, lounge, yeah. whatever, called Brooklyn's uh the name of my my older son. And so I would just dream and do that. And uh, so that was in my mind. And I always was looking for, um, you know, in my mind of, you know, how do I get back into society? Mm -hmm. Like that was always on my mind. And one day, and and so just to put it all in perspective, I left with, and this is how I got to where I was. At some point in time, you know, you, you bounce around from house to house because even as a grown man, you know, you bounce because people have been trained not putting judgment on anyone. They've been trained to uh, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to live. And the right way, uh, especially back then, uh, was you just have to get a job. You have to be working at McDonald's or Somewhere Because that is what you have been, that's what we've been told to do as Americans. And so that job will at least give you some money. And then that way you're not lounging around on my couch or sitting at my house or whatever. And for me, it was, but I'm not lounging around. I'm literally looking to build a company. Mm -hmm. I'm literally looking to build. And so when I psychologically look at that completely different than, you know, the lazy, you know, kid who's you know, well, now you play video games, you become a millionaire fast, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. right. Right. you know what I'm saying? So, so anyway, I, I, I took all of that and, and after a while you just run out of people. Mm. You run and out of people. That's how you end
0: up there. But You also and, did some interesting things that I think of now how you, I mean, if I read this right and you and I talked about this when we first met, you would go out because you like to see the private planes take off and land. Yeah. But one day you happen to be at the right place at the right time with a guy that has a lot of money who's waiting on his car that's late and you guys make a connection.
1: Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, leading up to that leading up to that was a, a series of things that were taking place. So um my clothes that I left with that I could only keep all my other possessions I had in storage, I couldn't pay the $60. So I lost my detective badge, you know, that I was able to kind of, you know, retire with or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, awards and certificates and, you know, that a boys, you know, all that. Um, I lost all that in storage somewhere. Uh, cause I couldn't afford the 60 plus dollars, which I think i gave get you like two months and then you're like, uh, oh, got to go. So I couldn't afford the hundred something dollars to get my, keep my, my thing. So I had, um, he figure overall a white, uh, down coat, uh, and some boots. And then I kept, which I have framed in my house, uh, my Ralph Lauren pinstripe blue suit and some Aldo, ALDO shoes nice. <laughs> that I, I
0: like those. <laughs>
1: Right, uh, framed over here, and uh, as a reminder, and I had that, and I had a, a dirty white shirt and blue shirt, suit coat. I mean, suit shirt, and so that was my that was my my clothes. And so when I would sneak into um, these after-hour regional growth commission commerce uh, after-hour networking events. I would sneak in because they they're like five dollar donation or whatever, and so you know to get in, I'd sneak in. I pass out some business cards that I you know had still, and uh, try to you know keep a phone on. Somebody would say, "Okay, well you can't stay at my house. My wife won't let you." But you know we'll keep the cell phone on for you, you know, just in case somebody, just in case the just in case the bastard gets lucky, and uh, you know, and I would just try to eat something and and then um, you know try to pass out business cards, and so to fast forward that when it got really cold, especially with that wind under the bridge, I would go to the airport uh, just to get a shelter. And I noticed uh, that the homeless people would get kicked out. So I immediately remember going into the, up. it's still there, the bathroom is still there, which is, just cracks me up when I'm in St. Louis and I'm flying in the main terminal. Uh, that bathroom's still there. And I remember going in there and putting on my suit and going to a gate deep away from the front of the airport and literally, you just go to sleep, and you just look like a traveler who missed his flight. Wow! And uh, while well, the homeless guy getting kicked out, right. right, put out into the cold, and so that that there really taught me that there's a process to this game of life, mm-hmm. and it really taught me that the rules don't apply to everybody, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that that uh, led me to sneaking into after hours, and then I oddly enough sat on a board and eventually accidentally became president of uh, the Opera House, St. Louis Opera House Board. They were during this time period. Uh, this during this time period, a guy by the name of Ed Golderman. He was a wild character, uh, always on the news, always fighting and shouting, and you know almost coming to fisticuffs and blows uh, with the media because he really wanted the opera house, which is now a uh, steeple uh, opera house mm-hmm. downtown St. Louis. Uh, he wanted to renovate it and it was beautiful. And it's like, it hadn't been sitting empty for 20 something plus years, right? It, the seats were beautiful and it, it had no erosion to it. It was just this amazing thing. And uh, a man rest in heaven, uh, Peter Vaccaro, uh, I don't even remember how I met him, but invited me to sit on the board with them and just kind of go with his calls. And I believed in it. And, you know, over, you know, the six, seven month period, they had to have Ed step down. They thought I was a good communicator. I wound up being president of this thing. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't even have a home. Uh, <laughs> <That is crazy. laughs> and, uh, and long story short is, is that I, one of the board members, uh, Gary Bill, um, uh, and his girlfriend, uh, Christine Frederick, Frederick, who I actually really, uh, they saved, saved my life. Um, they caught me sleeping out in front of union station one day and, uh, you know, like they thought I was drunk or something. And, and I just came clean and said, you know, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm homeless. And, and she let me stay at her house with him and, you know, and I would drive her to work and use her car. Uh, and drop her off, so I can get back on my feet and figure out what I'm going to do. And and then I would drive out way west to the private airfield, uh, Chesterfield airstrip, and and just watch the planes come in. <clears throat> Something about it just was just freeing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and that that really kicked off that relationship, uh, who who became a friend and a client for a long time.
0: So when you when you you know you always talk about you know, books and whatever, finding that opportunity and be ready and prepared for that opportunity. You, you ran into this man and I'm, I'm guessing that you were ready to go. Um, and you were just saying, you need, I need a client and, and not, you you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but I, I feel like this guy totally bought you. And he said, I'm going to take you to someone who needs your services. And that happened to be in New York, right?
1: Uh, that was similar, but yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But
0: and, this guy helped you connect the pieces to getting in the world you were trying to get into.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and on a and on a level that, you know, and, and also it, by that time I had already, you know, used a lot of my money that I had had for training. Yeah. So I had already gone overseas and trained and, you know, and, and really started to have a different skill set which was greater than that, that I had learned in law enforcement that, you know, and I remember a guy in the life. I mean, you kind of in law turned
0: law. into a ninja, right? I mean, I mean, it's one well, the stuff I've seen you, you can kind of do whatever and you don't want to mess with Michael I Anderson.
1: Appreciate, I appreciate that. I, I think, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I kind of move a little more with love these days, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's always that, that inner city kid and, uh, that, that skilled professional still there, I believe. So, uh, <laughs> so
0: yeah. And I know you've got sore ribs cause you just tried to be your own stuntman, man trying to get into your own place. Cause you were locked <laughs> yeah. out and fall down and hit the retaining wall. And, but you're, you're playing your own movie and I like that. So, so you start building, right? And, yeah. and I, how long, how long of a time period was it that you were kind of in this homeless world of, and there's a milkshake moment that I'm, I'm maybe rolling over here, but it yeah. meant something to me in in the, that that like steeled you into, I'm going to show them. I'm yeah. going to show them. Can, can you roll us through the milkshake moment?
1: Yeah, that was in that time period of, you know sleeping in the airport and uh you know finally staying you know being able to stay uh with uh friends became friends um uh, uh, bill and uh, gary bill and, and christine and uh you know i remember uh that story goes uh i went to go see my barber who whose shop was literally in the town where i used to be a policeman so, so <laughs> you can imagine you know, having a job, being, you know, uh, having, having a career and, and most law enforcement officers, if you, if you don't know too many of them, right. Uh, they, uh, they, they always want to get out, but they never really get out because they don't, they're missing that one component of, well, you know, I got this safety net of this paycheck, mm-hmm. just like probably other jobs. Right. Yep, sure. Uh, and I was out and, uh, and I took the bus. Uh, to go see Chris, my barber, and uh, I didn't have any money other than to get a bus ride. But uh, you know, he uh, gave me a haircut on the house. You know, I had a potential client, and uh, it was always a potential client. That's the mm-hmm. other thing about the journey, right? It's always, but wait, if this is the one,
0: this will be it. It never,
1: it never was the one, <laughs> but it's always the next you know, one. Yeah, you always hope it's the next one. You're always ready for it. Yep. And it was on. It was on my way back uh, towards this city, uh, where, you know, I still want, I won't say his name, I won't, won't ride him out like that, but, uh, you know, where he pulled up and, you know, uh, basically told me I was a fucking loser and, and whatever. And, and in the police a milk- car,
0: was he driving a police yeah, car? Yeah, he was in wow. a police
1: car, pulled up, rolled the window down. I looked in and he threw the milkshake on me and, you know, told me I was a fucking loser or whatever. And, uh, and at that moment, um, it just dawned on me that that was my crossroads. Uh, because I know so many people, you know, they have so many things against their dreams that uh, it only takes something of, of embarrassment, a ridicule, mm-hmm. uh, someone laughing at you uh, to turn you into a fucking monster mm-hmm. and go get it. Or, you know, become what they have imposed on you. Right. Uh, which is Which is that. And for me, once the bus came, I couldn't wait to get off the bus. Mm -hmm. I couldn't wait to get I couldn't wait to get to a place where I could just focus and go, okay, I'm, I'm getting it.
0: I'm getting
1: it. So much, so much so that one of the detectives years later, uh, probably about 2000 and. Oh, Jesus. Six, maybe seven. Oh no. 2007. uh, One of the detectives, I remember pumping gas. Uh, in university city, uh, with my Aston Martin and she rolled up in her, you know, raggedy ass police detective car and asked, and had the audacity to ask me, I'm sure stolen. And I said, run the plate. You know, and that's not technically what I said, but you know, <laughs> run <the plate. laughs> it was like a family show somewhere in here. So nonetheless, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's all these cycles of, 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 um, it's all these cycles that I didn't know how to break until recently that just continued to repeat itself. And so I never really paid attention to learning, you know, how to step outside of it. So it was always success, then failure. It was Mm -hmm. always, you know, love, then loss. Mm -hmm. It was always, you know, this person loves me. How do I love them back? Then loss. Mm -hmm. It was always self-sabotage. Constantly, constantly on the cycle.
0: You felt like you were self sabotaging your success,
1: hundred percent, hundred million percent. And I and I love to share that with people of you know identifying that you know a lot of the decisions we make are 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 probably the right decisions if we approach them in the right lens, in the right view, and with the right intention, right? If we
0: well, and I think you know. Your your business did take off, and you started uh, becoming and driving in Aston Martin. And you you tell a story about going back to U-City, your high school. And you want to share that story? Because I think it's a really interesting story how you handled that and what happened with the preachers and <laughs> and how that all came about in the parking lot.
1: Yeah, so actually it was a uh, different school. But the, what's interesting about the school is Bashan High School. And, uh, and it's actually where I – Part of one of our oh, it was at you know, Best
0: not U City. Okay, yeah, okay,
1: yeah. Uh, just as a guest speaker, yeah. and uh, and that's ironic because it was across the street from Blue Meyer Projects, which is where uh, I also grew up, where you mm-hmm. know, me and my cousins used to play, you know, kick the needle in the crack at, you know, in the heroin attic, yeah. and all these little games you play, you know, <laughs> those, when those you're
0: nice great. little games. Yeah,
1: you don't have a ball to kick around, right? Right. Uh, so it was just ironic that happened, but uh, I, I was, there's a motivational speaker, um, and, uh, you know, there's dynamics about, you know, my voice and what I am and, and who I am. And, and so my message has always been, uh, to people, especially to people of color is, you know, don't, don't allow, right. The negatives that have happened to your cousin and your relatives and, and other people, Uh, prevent you from accepting that true support that's coming for you. Um, And if it's someone of a different race, primarily, right? Oh, white people are bad or white people don't like blacks or whatever that is. I mean, yes, there's a lot of that. However, that does not mean that the white individual, right, that has an interest in helping you, believing in you, seeing you, opening that door from you should be excluded, ignored, or shut out because your cousin's interaction with a totally different white person, as an example,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, was, was abused or, or, or mistreated or what have you. And so my message um, is that you just don't know where your blessings are coming from. And there's so many lessons in a situation. And if you're moving with your eyes open, you're gonna see them and you're gonna learn from them and you don't know why the interaction, no mistakes, mm-hmm. right? There's no coincidences for real in life, right? And so it's that's the message. And the reverence and the principal, <laughs> whatever, like, you know, hey, look, you, you know, that's not the message we try to tell them, right? We have to help them, we gotta help ourselves. Right. If they don't rely on us, nobody's going to help They put
0: they put their arm around you while they're walking you. Yeah, out, they put too their hard arm hard. around
1: me as they're leading me to the front door. Like, <laughs> exactly. You know, Who invited yeah, this guy? More, yeah. Yeah. I think I think one handing me my hat and the other's kicking. <laughs> but me my but back, the
0: other thing right? was is that message resonated with the guy with the people you were talking to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It did. And and it's funny when you get to see karma yeah. come full circle and the moment. Yeah. Uh, But like I would say, you know, yeah, it's like here's your hat, what's your hurry, you know, and uh, as we're walking out into the front of the school, there was a big commotion. There's a big U-drive for, you know, U-drive way, and uh, there's a big commotion going on, and someone told the security to run over there and break that up. Must have been a fight or altercation, and when we got closer, because I had parked in that direction um, it was just all the kids just drooling over that 2007 Aston Martin, which was just in the James Bond movie. Yeah. And and that and that was my car. And then it immediately shut all of them up, right, these, these leaders. And I unlocked the car and let them get all in it. Do what you need to do. Have fun. Explore. Hit the horn. Do whatever. Start it up. Rev, rev it up. Mm-hmm. Do your thing. Because that in itself, like I tell my other CEO friends, of major corporations, mm-hmm. I'm like, look, nobody wants to hear your sob story about your shit, mm-hmm. right? Bring those pictures of that jet that you're flying around, mm-hmm. you know, bring the, you know, the row of cars that you live in or pictures of your home without the address. Mm-hmm. Right? That's <laughs> right, right. Right. But bring those because you're competing with drug dealers and you're, you're competing with athletes and you've got to show them that there's another you know, path you can use your brain
0: to get that too. Yeah. That's so, that's so powerful though. And you know, I bet a lot of those kids remember that day, you know, that's what, 15 years ago, however long that go. Yeah. We hope so. Remember that day that that guy came and spoke to them who was using his brain and had gridded himself into a situation to where he could drive that car. And he used to live right across that street there. Um, those are the things that, you know, kind of give you, you know, goosebumps that, you know, those, and like you said, karma has a weird way of finding its way through the cracks. But what a great story. What a, I mean, what a moment really that here you are and hear that happened and they were just getting told the opposite.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it also a lesson for me as well. You know, it, it's a lesson at the time that I unfortunately did not respect. Right. It wasn't it really wasn't until uh, the pandemic that I I ultimately ultimately finally realized that I need to I need to serve. You know, maybe it was, you know, being ICU, maybe it was the, you know, being isolated. Maybe it was the furloughs and having to, you know, almost lose the company and having to use my own book Mm -hmm. as my guide to find myself reinvent myself in a very sharp period of time and then build my business right back to where it was and now is taking off um, on a relaunch and a rebuild um, is just a funny way of, of realizing that it's all because this isn't about me it's literally about how do we change lives and in the midst of changing people's lives and impacting them is where all your abundance and blessings can come.
0: That's right, because it fills you up. You know yeah. the, and I'm assuming, Michael, that as this company grew and you became somebody that uh, people sought out for um, talking on on shows and that, how did that all feel to you? Because you know you you reached a peak uh, with your with your idea. And I think you had forty-seven, fifty people that, that that did the work that you had basically trained into an idea to come to life. What did that feel like for
1: you? Yeah, it, it felt like it felt like a level of success considering that in twenty twelve, maybe eleven, um, you know that internet thing you know, was really taking shape. (laughs) Right. And uh, I was still living in a dinosauric world of protection where, um, you know, the the professional protectee is behind the scenes. You don't need to be in front of the camera. You don't need to, you know, it's like uh, you want to, you have a friend Brent, let's say, and they need protection or they have an issue or a problem. Um, you know, hey, I know a guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then my phone rang. Um, And that was the way business was done in that world. Uh, but then this internet thing started happening. And then the CIA guy started breaking contracts and protocols and started, they wound up on CNN and on the news mm-hmm. uh, talking about, you know, protection and, and, uh, uh, terrorist activities and, and what have you, and uh, these active shootings. And it put us in a position where when people would start looking us up, we didn't exist. Mm. And so we had literally almost lost everything, the business, because we weren't above what we call above board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really took us hiring a publicist that opened up a couple of doors And of course being prayerfully and gratefully being good enough that, you know, ABC and, uh, Fox and, uh, NBC, you know, liked having me on and, and that was relevant.
0: Well, Uh, and I mean you, that was in your, your, that was your arena. I mean, you, you trained, you knew it, you there's your business. Um, Uh, you'd experienced it. I mean, some of the things that you talk about where you go in the middle of the night and, get shot and run and jump in the water. And I think you told me there was an anaconda in that water, which freaks me out. But, um, you know, the, yeah. you, you did some things where when you were, when you were doing that, Michael was, uh, was it just an adrenaline rush of just, I mean, or were you, was there, I mean, a normal person would be scared that they're going to die. You know, normal people don't parachute into South America, go and run and shoot and do, and and then you get on the helicopter and get out of there. Uh, what what does that feel like? I don't know. I've never talked to anybody who's done that. I mean, what what is that feeling?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, all you do is go down to any soup kitchen, brother. There, we're everywhere. <laughs> That's first off. So, you know, if you ever want to go go and, get them,
0: <laughs> that's where it is. Okay. Go,
1: go to a, go with any shelter. You can find, <laughs> you can find them. Brother. Okay. You'll find There's them, your right there. Okay. We're, we're everywhere, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> we're like Amic. <AmEx>. Uh, <laughs> we're everywhere. Uh, you know, for me, it, uh, you know, I came from the law enforcement route into the private sector contractor route. And so, You know, for me, it was really about having a negative credit score, probably 300. There you
2: go.
1: (laughs) You know, it was so bad and and not having money and not being able to provide for my child and being deemed a loser and, you know, knowing that I'm never going to amount to anything and and being told this by so many people because, you know, I didn't fit into the norm. And and when you get to a certain age, especially, and we're also talking about the 90s, Mm -hmm. now it's super, it's a sound bite to be an entrepreneur. Even though you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can have a great company and all that. Oh, but did you forget that it's family funded that? Right. <laughs> right. So there's right. a different, you know, different variant variance in that, and 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 uh, views of how how that word is played and used. But back in the eighties, nineties, and what have you, that was just a totally different period. And and so for me, the logic was especially when I started working with, a uh, contracting with a company, um, they had to, I probably would have gotten work sooner, but they didn't know if I was crazy or what my deal was. So I had to meet with the other partner in New York, uh, just to make sure that I was sane. Yeah. And, uh, and I just told them, I was like, look, man, you know, I have a skill Um, at the time the Israelis ran the market, mm-hmm. like they ran the market in the United States. And blessedly, uh, they started, I, I, I say peacefully to my Israeli brothers and sisters, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade, guys. Uh, you know, some of them became thieves. And so I was like, hey, I'm praying. I'm not a thief. And that really started to open up some of those doors for me. But the mentality wasn't about this craziness. Um, you know, or the stupidity of bravery or, or thereof, it was just more of, I, I don't like being poor,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and being a cop and going back to law enforcement, just it's, it's the passion had gone.
0: Yeah. You wanted Um, more and you wanted to create a change. Yeah.
1: I wanted more. And, and, you know, back then it wasn't cool to Brent to be an entrepreneur. Right. 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 Uh, it just wasn't what it is today wasn't I mean steady yeah. and
0: stable yeah 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 uh, well I, the other thing that i i guess in that time period did you talking about your son um you've got a couple of sons right yeah yeah mm-hmm. so at that in that time period um is that when all that took place i mean are you are you making things happen with your new company and feeling the life of of you know making a success and then you you've also bring in the family into play
1: yeah so my my journey there is another testament to um manifestation and willpower and belief of the unknown I'm a huge advocate of that um you know people always want the the roadmap and I don't blame them right I mean wherever you can you can uh miss a hurdle I'm all for it mm-hmm you know, uh, and to answer your question, I have I have friends who come from very well-to-do families, and I I see them trying to dumb their self down or you know uh, ignore their blessings, right? That their families have created for them because it's been such it's it's been embred by society that you got to struggle,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah. You, you, don't wanna, you don't want to you don't want the easy route, and it's like no 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 no. You know, how dare you don't, don't do that. Like we go through the hard route because that's just what we just had to do. Right. Not because they're be cool about it. It's because it's either that or complete failure and not doing anything. is failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's that, it's that entrepreneurial difference. Um, but to specifically drill in on your question.
0: Well, I am asking you about your love life, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, my kids, my kids, my kids were not necessarily in the picture, and and for me, yeah. I had already been outcast. I'd been outcast by uh, their mothers, uh, my two boys' their mm-hmm. two mothers, and and their family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, and, and my oldest, you know, was born in '96, and my youngest was born in 2000. Okay.
0: Was 22. So they're
1: in the twenties. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I was already dirt of the earth. So for me, it had to be a situation where, and anyone that knew me personally, relationship wise, you know, knew that my kids were always in the forefront of my mind, Mm -hmm. right? Everything that I was doing right, wrong, or indifferent was, was always about my kids and me getting to a place. And this is what really shifted my whole life. And I'm glad you asked that because to me, it's a reminder that. I knew one day I was going to reunite with my kids. Mm -hmm. I just knew it.
0: It was an internal motivation of yours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and part of that was I have to make sure that when I'm blessed and fortunate enough to be before them, I I have to be stable enough to not break a promise. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Meaning I can't say I'm going to meet you on Wednesday and then have to go clock in. Right. Oh, the boss is mad at me. And I have to now, man, but I promised my son who I haven't seen in 15 years Mm -hmm. that I, I did not want that scenario. And I made sure of that. Did
0: you, is that because maybe that there were parallels between your relationship with your dad and you didn't want to repeat that type of feeling that you had because your dad went on to be uh, a very accomplished guy, was a football coach at Washington University. Um, what time period in your life did that happen? Where you have actually made a connection? And then he—I think he passed away shortly after that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So at that time, I had been at that time I had been you know attempting to find. Uh, myself, yeah, and 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 my and I think I wrote about this to a degree of I had always been very fortunate as I sit here single right today uh, oh. at fifty two, but I'd always have You're a had young man. Been well, thank you, sir. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, those ribs will heal, <laughs> uh, you know. As I as I sit here, uh, I've I've always felt like I've had really amazing relationships you know with women and and uh, I'm very grateful for all of them and and the time that I've spent with everyone um you know and I and I know that there was so much missing in my life to even remotely think that I would have a fighting chance to make something work. Mm-hmm. And so at that time I was in the position to do some psychotherapy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and once, you know, I had ended one relationship and I was like, you know what? I'm, it was a very special relationship and dear. And, uh, I was like, you know what? I, I can't do that again. I've got to get my shit together. And, uh, that's when I just dove into therapy so and was, for
0: for you though, Michael, was it like you were, it was an imposter syndrome. I'm so happy. I feel so good. I, this is love, but I don't deserve this or something's not right. I don't have myself together. And so you would, you would sabotage it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and really what that was, was a false sense of self love, meaning it was the purchasing of multiple vehicles. It was the purchasing of things that I thought would make me feel better, like having a Porsche, and then another Porsche zooms by me, and I pull the guy over yeah. from my Porsche. I'm like, what What model is that? Yeah. Oh, I go buy that, right? Yeah. I go buy that and realizing that that's not love. No. That's,
0: and it can feel right? empty, you know, or lonely. It's completely yeah.
1: empty. And then not being able to have that self-love and not self. And then how do you expect to, you know, share that with someone else who does love you, who up who completely different, who had so much value to add, you know, to your life. Um, I just knew that, okay, I got to get that together mm-hmm. and I got to get it together fast. So when you, you, you've been around me enough to know that, you know, when I go to a therapy <laughs> right, <laughs> or when I do anything, it, it's more of like, and this is pretty this zero is, to 60. Different. You're
0: going to, you're going to do that sprint. Yeah, golf. man,
1: I, Look. I, at the time, I was trying to go three days a week, and then at you know at the time, I was like, "Look, you know, hey, I don't have time to do this once a week thing." It went on me. Eighty years old, nothing else works. You know, <laughs> like what the hell did I do all this for? Yeah. Right? I got slow dance all the time. Like I don't want that life. So I just went all in, and and even the therapist was like, "Well, first of all, I just want you to know that most people cannot function that way." Right. They don't absorb information that fast. They, you know, uh, but I'll take your money. I'll do that. And and for me, it was um, like, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to dive into it. I'm going all in. And that's, and, it, and I only complained three times after seven months.
2: <laughs> good for you, But <laughs> That's good. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking
1: six days a week of yeah. just homework and, and study and reading books and, and, and hitting it. And in the midst of that, to get to my dad um, and even my kids is that that's where the breakthrough occurred the lessons, and you realize, and I realized that, um, when you're going through things, right, you have to find that something to latch on to. That is not going to have you focus on what you just went through, Mm -hmm. but literally are latching on to your current present situation and where you need to be yeah. and where you want to be.
0: build on that.
1: And that is what you focus on from that moment for, because you've acknowledged, you have accepted. And yeah. if you're really, if you're really into energy and connectivity and, and spirituality, then you've asked for forgiveness for the people that you've hurt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you ask for forgiveness.
0: Michael, you hit your uh, mute button. There. Sorry about
1: that. You ask for forgiveness, you know, for them, you've yeah. asked for forgiveness for yourself. And then you move on and you never look back.
0: Well, you can't change the past. I mean, you know, what you just said is, is so relevant to how you have to tackle each day is you can, you can win the day and change the future, but you can't, you can learn from the past. I mean, that's, that's obvious, but, yeah. uh, you can't change it. Yeah. And, and I think a yeah. lot of people get stuck in that. Um, and, and, lots of times I think just causes paralysis that I can't take another step because I've done so bad up to this point. There's no way that I could do it. Whereas when people do start stepping, they start feeling like a little bit more confident and another step, they feel a little bit more. And by the time they take the third step, they're like, I got this. I can, I can do this. This is me. This is the authentic me. And That's yeah. What, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And you know, it- and I, had, and I had had a, a disdain and a dislike for my father, mm-hmm. uh, my, my real father, for many, many years. And and when I got through therapy and I saw him, and I would see him riding his bike through the park, mm-hmm. right? And uh, when I when I would see him, you know, I'm like, man, if I ever bump in his stool, I'm going to knock him out or do whatever, you know, it's ignorant. But, but what I realized uh, after therapy was, that a I needed to communicate with him because it was part of the growth period. And then secondly, um, you know, I had to just come to an understanding that, um, I need to just deal with it. I need to just deal with it and, and I carry it anymore. And, and ironically, in a true Henderson fashion, my kids are the same way. Uh, it's the hottest day of the year in St. Louis. I'm jogging in Forest Park, which was not abnormal for me, which is the big park in St. Louis, kind of like our our big Central Park. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only two idiots outside were me and my dad. And I'm running and dancing, kind of, you know, jogging and having a good time, uh, listening to my headphones, and I literally bump into this man on his bike, and it's my dad. Wow. And it's, it's that whirlwind of my entire life of just blessings constantly coming from, you know, being left in terrible countries to why is this guy's gun not shooting me? And why did my bullet miss him? And, you know, and, and we're literally, you know, face to face of art that <laughs> both can shoot, you know, why are these things constantly happening to me? Why am I going through these things? Why, you know, why am I shot here, but I'm not dead. And, you know, why did I just fall off two stories, yeah. <laughs> right? Landing yeah. on a standing wall where, you know, someone else would die, you know. Uh, you know why are these spiritual things happening to me? And, and so uh, I'm not saying it in the realm of some guru or what have you, but it definitely lends to the opportunity of courage and belief. mm mm-hmm. And, you know, having your listeners and and people that you interact with understand that the shit that you've done, right, wrong, and different, is okay. It's the shit you do now, and it's the shit you do going forward. And it's that positivity, it's that belief that you can have different that changes everything in your past, and that forgetfulness of what people think of you, what society thinks of you. Anybody successful will tell you there's always somebody that doesn't like you. Oh, so gosh, you, yeah.
0: yeah. That's just right? that's part of it. Yeah, that's just yeah. part of it. Yeah, so, yeah it's just part yeah, of it. The, yeah.
1: the I, I love the journey. Yeah, so, I love the journey and the blessings of like that. Yeah,
0: what, yeah. What, uh, literally bumping into your dad that you hadn't spoken to, was it a moment of relief, disappointment? was he more than what you thought he would be? I mean, what was that like?
1: Well, first he didn't have his phone on him, So I took his number. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it was, it was comforting because I knew I needed to do it. Mm -hmm. And my therapist had been telling me, you know, you got to reach out to your dad. You know, you got to talk to him. Yeah. Right. And what's interesting is that over that next, two or three months before he passed away, you know, and I had met him and taken him to the Ritz. we had had uh, lunch and we just got to catch up and, and realized that we had the same personality, same humor,
2: yeah.
1: right? Everything was as you would expect. Yeah. And the connectivity was there and he was on dialysis and, you know, and, and he said that he had been, he passed away I think in the 60s, uh, mid 60s. But, you know, he's like, I had been dead At 49, because I was on dialysis. Mm. And uh, he's like, You know, any white people? And I said, Of course. He's like, Eat their food, you'll live forever. (laughs) Uh, You know, and that was just his humor, you know. And after he passed away, uh, he lived in U City, where I was a policeman. And I remember getting phone calls at my office from u city and i didn't know who the officer or the the officer was so i called a friend of mine who was the in secret service who had just kind of left the department and asked him did he know the officer and he said yeah i said what the hell does this guy want with me i never called the guy back so i figured it's probably one of my agents running around town doing something and then it was until later that night I, I got home and and checked facebook and then one of the detectives called me and you know asked me to call them and i called and said hey does your dad live over at the Starbucks blah 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 and then I was at another crossroads where it's like I could ignore all of that like I didn't really know the guy but you know his good friend from high school was his um, uh, was in charge of his finances but not him so the more couldn't release the body yeah. anywhere yeah and uh, that's where my entire life changed. I mean, entirely, I mean, everything about my entire existence changed that moment when I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to handle this. Yeah. I'm going to you know, go to his house. I'm going to meet his friend, Renee. I'm going to talk to his best friends and come to find out he had been following my entire career, news articles, wow. uh, you know, and they just thought he was lying the entire time. Wow. So, that gives uh, me but that's response. how I mean that yeah but and the long story short of that though is that that's how I reunited with my kids yeah that opened up magazine opportunities magazine cover opportunities that opened up television spots that opened up my uh interaction with my kids mm-hmm. that inter- that changed everything in my world. everything just started to fall into place because of those decisions
0: so Michael you have you you created a uh successful company of, of security And now what do you want to accomplish with uh, the production and sweet and, and with movies and TV? What's your, what's your dream or your goal of impact?
1: Yeah, my goal is to be uh, the, the biggest and the best television film creator uh, the industry has ever seen. Uh, you know, there are some top names up there. Uh, you know, your Jerry Bruckheimer's, your Marcus Scasey's, you know, these are power players, um, Ron Howard's, and these are people that, you, you know, I guess you could even add Tyler Perry in there or what have you, but, you know, there's players who, you know, have found their way to the very top to where if they decide they want to make a piece of content that you know it's going to make the screen yep. and it's going to make impact.
0: And that's you know that's the cool thing about it is, is you're in a world where you actually can make impact. I mean, a lot of people think you know if I could just create change, and and a lot of people can create change by doing what they do, but um, you're in you're in the world in the arena where um, these things get out to a lot of people, and if you if you're doing the right things and promoting the things that that you have a passion for, they can really create change, and that's that's what's cool about. The world was it hard for you to make the transition? Uh,
1: the transition was smooth. The the pitfalls,
0: <laughs> as there always are, well, and, and usually yeah. unseen and, and blindsided, yeah. right?
1: So, so I, I would say the the best advice or the 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 most important statements that have been made to me since I've been out here playing this game is uh, when I first arrived in twenty seventeen. Uh, to really do this, uh, an executive that's been for Sony for many, many years—like thirty-something plus years—you uh, know—said to me, "You know, you're probably badass in, you know, security. You know, you've probably uh, done this, that, and another. And I've seen your videos and, and all the rest of that. But you gotta be careful. This is Hollywood.
2: Yeah,
1: it's its own beast. Yeah, it's and its own uh, it'll world no matter where you've been yeah, yeah.
0: so that's probably i mean for, for you that's i think you've you've been in a uh you've been trained well to enter hollywood <laughs> I, mean,
1: I think so <laughs> you I, really I think have. so I,
0: you're, you're I mean, made was, for this
1: i say that all the time like i i mean it you know it has its moments uh you know our, our little bump in the road was uh frightening for a second But uh, I do. I agree. I feel very comfortable here uh, in this space. I mean, you know, I'm used to dealing with, you know, crime syndicates and and other, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I I use that loosely. But, you know, uh, yeah, I feel very comfortable here. And I feel more importantly that, you know, understanding the nuances of the industry and I believe in the content that we have. And um, we're fortunate that Hollywood is actually starting to take notice of that. And um, yeah, I mean, cool. We're gonna see what
0: have I? What haven't I asked you, Michael? That I was supposed to ask you?
1: What's up with you? <laughs> what, what, what's up with you, man? That's what we need to talk yeah, about. Well, I mean, you, that's you, that's I'm, is coming down the pipe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> trying to get by, Michael. Just trying to get by, man.
1: Well, I'll tell I, you what. I I, your platform, though, I really do. Yeah, I appreciate your platform. Man.
0: Well, I appreciate you being on here, and and it's it's uh, it's encouraging to people to see that it doesn't just it's not just one felt swoop of success. You you have success. You got to reload. You got success. You got to reload. You know, success isn't permanent, it's a constant, and you got to stay with it and believe and, and have the determination. And that's what I see from your life story, Michael. It's not all written, but up to this point, man, whatever that is that you're wired with and how you stay determined and gritted through some really tough things. And now you're you're living, you know. I think you you've gotten to that point where you feel like uh, you're your authentic self, feeling all the different things you want to feel, and good things are happening. And of all that stuff, all everything that's happened to you, your book, and your and the, the production company, and the everything that you've experienced. What do you think your biggest takeaway is to the listeners that uh, from what you've gone through?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that uh, that's, that's an amazing question first off, but it's, it's team. It's team. You know, I, there are times where, you know, I wish I didn't have a team. <laughs> because, uh, just because, you know, I can move. Yeah, I can do the job. I mean, I literally can do the job of six, seven different people. And they'll tell you, and it drives them nuts, right? Cause I can move. Cause sure. I understand I'm wired different. And mm. I know that, but I know that's not a lot not very normal, but there are those days. But realistically, I had to change the team. Some people are still with me from, you know, the beginning of this journey, Mm -hmm. but we had to bring other real strong pieces to the table to make it work. And not just their ability to look good on paper, but the ability to be in the same mental space. Because everything that we're doing, everything you're doing, everything your listeners are doing, if their mental isn't right, if they don't mentally understand what it is that they're after, how to achieve it, yeah. um, people that they bring into their circle
2: yeah.
1: will be small and few in most cases. Yeah, uh, um, they're going to they're going to probably have a bump in the road at some point in time. And so for me, my takeaway and their takeaway is is literally. Um, don't be a hostage to your ego. Yeah. Um, you know, honor yourself, honor your God in you, your universe in you. Yeah. And uh, be very careful of, of your ego.
0: Such good words, man. I mean, those are words to live by because you can't let the ego get in the way because you miss opportunities that way. And, and if you've let that get in the way, you can't see
1: the road. And
0: that's what you got to be doing when you're trying to grow or try to be better or trying to get through whatever you're trying to get through. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you, you, if you don't mind. Yeah. You and your platform and your story, you know, your listeners. I mean, this, to me, this is one, I'm just grateful to be part of it um, today and and even uh, on some of your other things that we're, you know, talking about. But you know the the prison, the prison of our mind. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't go to prison, right? Uh, like We were, were joking earlier. You know, I sent a lot of people to prison. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, you know, and some people wanted to assassinate me right. because. Of, but. But my my journey was prison. Yeah. Um. It it literally is no different than being locked behind bars, because my brain was my my warden. Yep. my my fear mm-hmm. was my guards.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and my environment, right, um, was the yard. Yeah. And so, you know, for for me, it's and for your listeners, I'm hoping that they understand that. You know, it is for some of us on the other side of that fear of that prison in our mind. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's the mental. Yeah. And, the a, mental.
0: And, and Michael, I think that's why I think this uh, podcast has taken on different listeners because everybody knows through their own experiences, they've built up prisons in their minds. Some have broken through, some have set themselves through. Just what we talked about with you. You have gone through and uh, you're sitting in a different um, chair now than where you were two, three years ago because you did the work and you've you've you feel like you set yourself free. You're that that prison of your mind, you worked through it. You over, around it, under it. And I think that's what it takes. You gotta, you know. You know, the nightmare success is all about. You got to step into the unknown. You got to step into the fear, and you know that's what I liked in that that quote. You know, you've always stepped into that what scares you, and and a lot of times that's where the good stuff is. You know,
1: that's where it's at, man. That's where it's at. But but please let your listeners know that have good lives. You don't have to go into the darkness to feel good. Just leave that shit to that's us, right. okay? You don't, Let us do that. Just go straight there. We'll meet you there. We'll meet you there.
0: Just wait for us.
1: Yeah, don't, don't, don't try to come visit and pretend. Just go on there. But, but you know, I'm glad you said that. And I, you probably you know you can delete this or whatever. And this is just more of a conversation for us. But you know, that's the thing that when I use the word outcast, I looked it up, and that's what society just doesn't seem to grasp is I'm here to applaud the people that take the chance.
2: Yeah.
1: Society has torn all these people down, all these people that have failed, all these people who want to do something else. Try again, try again, go get a job. What are you doing? You're not smart enough. You can't do this. And so society just continuously tries to make us outcasts because you want to go and be better and do better. And if you can do it again and try and continue to try, you're going to hit it. But you've got to remember that, unfortunately, we live in a world where society has brainwashed us to ridiculing us. Mm -hmm. Instead, society should, in my opinion, should be opening the doors. Wow, look at this guy. Look at him, man. This, guy, this guy's got the balls and the chops to do it. Exactly. You know what, with a little guidance, I could probably pick up the phone and call Oprah. Pick up the phone and call, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, whomever. Jerry Bruckheimer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the universe introduced me to him, by the way. So that that also, <laughs> But right? But pick up the phone because Let's change the narrative through nightmare success. Let's change the narrative through your guests when they speak to start training people's minds to go, no, 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 no. This person has the ability to do what you're afraid to do. And that's okay, but don't shun them. Open the door for them because they're the new leaders. They're the ones that are creating something and they're going to do it. And so instead of becoming an employee of that, be part of their, their journey. Say, hey, I helped this guy open that door. I don't have the balls to do it. But I at least made the phone call because I believed it, saw in Saul and it—not shut them down, tear them down, and prevent them from from going forward. I, love I think there. that's.
0: I think we ought to end that there because that's big. That's the purpose. That's the passion. The mission. Good stuff, Michael. Hey, if anybody's looking for books out there, Michael, what's your book's name?
1: Interminable.
0: Interminable. And yes, it's and, a good. Uh, it's, we
1: got the second one, and we got the second one dropping this fall called okay. "Living Misunderstood." So cool. We, we're coming at you twice. It's a
0: great book. I've got a book. We got two authors here trying to hawk books. Nightmare success. <laughs> Everybody, uh, the give me a review on Apple. I love those. Um, you know all the likes and other things. Uh, if you if you have anything you want to get to me on brick, dot leave me a message. As I used to say when I was writing back from Leavenworth, stay strong and I'll do the same. Nightmare success in and out. Thank you, Michael Henderson.
1: Thank you, sir. All right.